You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. Okay, now something happens between the Muhajireen and the Ansar after this battle. For the first time, a major fight broke out between the Muhajirs and the Ansar. And if it weren't for the Prophet's mediation, their unity would have probably been destroyed. So after the battle, two Muslims, one of them, his name was Al-Jahjah ibn Mas'ud. Jahjah ibn Mas'ud, he was a Muhajir. And the other one was Sinan al-Juhani, he was from the Ansar. They quarreled over water. They were trying to extract water from the well using their buckets. So, you know, he tried to pull his bucket first. The other one tried to push for his way and pull his bucket. And so they quarreled. Jahjah, by the way, was the ajir or the servant of Umar ibn al-Khattab. Umar ibn al-Khattab was basically employing him. So their buckets got entangled and Jahjah hit Sinan and he caused him to bleed. So these two companions fought after the battle of Bani Mustalaq. Jahjah hit Sinan physically and he caused Sinan to bleed. Now each of them called their people for help. Oh Ansar, come and help us. Oh Muhajireen, come and help, help us. The result of these calls for help would have meant that the Muslims would have fought with one another because Arabs still had that tribal mentality. The Prophet came to know about the incident. Two of your companions just fought and they're calling on their people for support. A war is going to break out. The Prophet told the companions, don't go and get involved. Leave these two men who are fighting. This call for help is abominable because it resembles the calls of Jahiliyyah, the days of ignorance. And the Prophet says, Jahiliyyah is still in your hearts, O companions. See, people don't change overnight. Even though they believed in God and they supported the Prophet, but when Allah would try them, sometimes those Jahili sentiments would come out. So the Prophet basically explained to his companions that these two companions, they don't fully understand the system of Islam, the brotherhood of Islam, and that's why they've caused this tension, this problem. So the Prophet stepped in and he calmed everyone down. Now the leader of the Munafiqeen, the leader of the hypocrites, Abdullah ibn Ubay, he said, let me take advantage of this situation. Perfect, I see the Muhajirs and the Ansar about to fight. Let me explode it and make them kill one another. So what does he do? He fans the flames and he takes advantage of this dissension to break the Muslim unity. And remember, Abdullah ibn Ubay, he's a hypocrite. Why did he come to the battle in the first place when he doesn't really believe in the Prophet? For the spoils of war because he knew Muslims would achieve victory. That's why he had come. Otherwise, he would not come for Allah. So you know what he said? 
Abdullah ibn Ubay, the leader of the hypocrites, he says, all this is the result of our own doing. And he's speaking to the people of Medina, the Ansar, because he's from Medina. He's telling the Ansar, this is our fault. We provided protection for these muhajirs of Mecca. We gave them shelter in our own homeland. We protected them from their enemies. But now our condition is like the well-known saying that says, nourish your dog and it will bite you. Basically, he's telling them, we gave them a refuge. Now the muhajirin are biting us. Meaning the fight that just happened because the muhajir, he attacked the person from Medina. Then what did he say? He made his famous statement that the Quran captures. لَإِنْ رَجَعْنَا إِلَى الْمَدِينَةِ if we go back to Medina, If we go back to Medina, the strong and the dignified ones, the people of Medina, should drive out the weak ones, meaning the muhajirs. When we go back to Medina, let's kick them out. All these muhajirin, meaning the Prophet himself, because the Prophet is a muhajir, let's kick them out. So Abdullah bin Ubay said, let me take advantage of this dissension of this tension and let me encourage the Ansar to do what? Kick out the Muhajirin. Allah captures this in Surah Al-Munafiqun. So Abdullah ibn Ubay played on their tribal mentality. He evoked jahili sentiments and the reality is Islam takes a long time to settle because you have to fight your nafs, you have to reach that purity. Overnight you don't become a an angel. Sometimes we expect that. You know, some people who are changing or we're trying to give them another chance, we expect them to change overnight. It doesn't happen like that all the time. People need time. It's not realistic to expect them to change overnight. Sometimes, you know, when you're trying to mediate and you're reconciling between two fighting parties, husband and wife, brother and brother, friend and friend. So let's say you sit and you counsel them. And then the next day, the husband or the wife calls. Sayyid, we agreed on 10 things and my husband, my wife is not implementing them. Forget it, divorce. Calm down. You can't expect your spouse to change overnight. Give them time. I usually tell them, let's wait two months. After two months come. Three months. Sometimes it takes time for people to change. But no, they leave the meeting. No, tonight you're going to become an angel. It's not going to happen. Give people some time. Okay. So let's see what happened next. Zayd ibn Arqam, who was young at the time, one of the companions of the Prophet, he responds to Ubay. He stands up to Ibn Ubay, Abdullah ibn Ubay. He tells him, by Allah, you are the one who's dalil. You're the one who's abject and low. You're the person who, who doesn't enjoy any respect amongst your own people. On the contrary, Prophet Muhammad is the Aziz. Because why? Abdullah ibn Ubay said, when we go back to Medina, the Aziz ones, the strong ones, the dignified ones, will kick out the low ones. Zayd told him, you're the low one, not the Prophet Prophet Muhammad, the people love him. Zayd comes to the Prophet and he informs him, Abdullah ibn Ubay just said the speech. Beware, he's causing a problem. Look at the Prophet's response, subhanAllah. The Prophet tells Zayd, Zayd, maybe you're mistaken. Maybe you got angry and he said something to you, Zaid, and you're generalizing and saying he's 
attacking all Muslims and he is attacking me. The Prophet Zayd told him, no, I'm telling you, I, this is exactly what I heard. His intention is to create fitna amongst your companions. Why did the Prophet not quickly accept the testimony of Zayd? And he told him, maybe you heard wrong. Maybe that's not what Abdullah ibn Ubay meant. Even though Abdullah ibn Ubay is the leader of the Munafiqeen and the hypocrites. The Prophet gave room to give him the benefit of the doubt. Why would the Rasul do that? He's a leader. What is he teaching you? As a leader, if people come and bring you news that this person is creating fitna, again, don't be quick in judging. Verify. Make sure that the person who's giving you that information is not angry and frustrated and exaggerating things. Figure out exactly what's happening and then take action. So if you even see Rasulullah he was so merciful that when the leader of the Munafiqeen does something wrong and he's try, he tries to create fitna and he's told that he's creating fitna, the Prophet still gives him the benefit of the doubt. The Prophet says, maybe that's not what he meant. The Prophet's calming Zayd down to make sure Zayd is fully aware of what he's saying, not just that he's just angry. This is the beauty of the Prophet. Where do you find such akhlaq? Seriously. When I know someone's my enemy, I just want excuses to attack them. The Prophet finds excuses not to attack Abdullah ibn Ubay. Look at the rahmah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Even with a munafiq, he's not quick in judging. At that point, the narrations indicate Umar requests the Prophet to give him the permission to kill Abdullah ibn Ubay. Let me finish him off. Like, you saw what the fitna he's doing. The Prophet replied, he says, no, it's not appropriate to do so. Because the people will kill, will say Muhammad killed his own companions. In the end, Abdullah ibn Ubay is one of the residents of Medina. He's one of my companions. I mean, we know he's a hypocrite, but from the outside, he's a Muslim. If I kill him, people will say Muhammad used his companions and he killed them. This is not good for Islam. Look at the intelligence of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi by the way, this phrase which has been documented by Sunnis, not just Shias, explains a very big mystery for us. Many, many people attack us, the followers of Ahlul Bayt, and they say, oh, so you claim certain companions were hypocrites, munafiqeen? If, if that's the case, why didn't the Prophet just kill them and get rid of them? Here's the answer. The Prophet lived with these hypocrites and he did not issue a command to kill them. So he would not be accused of killing his own companions because in the infancy stages of Islam, this was not appropriate. This would discourage people from joining Islam because the enemies would distort this and they would say, oh, look at the, this new leader. He calls people to support him, then he kills them. Like some revolutionary leaders, they lead a revolution, then they start purging everyone around them. The Prophet doesn't want such a reputation. So the Prophet refuses the offer of Umar. He says, no, I'm not going to kill him. Now Abdullah, he realizes that Zayd exposed him. He went and he told the Prophet and the Prophet became aware. He's scared now. I'm caught causing fitna. And I basically was mobilizing my people in Medina to kick out the Prophet and his companions. That, that's a big crime. So what does he do with his full audacity? 
he comes to the Prophet and he told the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, I never said any such words. I deny all these allegations. <laughs> and there are some, uh, you know, some of his uh, cronies, they were standing with him, it was like, yeah, 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 Ya Rasulullah, he didn't really say any of that. The Prophet didn't say any. The Prophet didn't tell him, you're a liar. The Prophet just let it go. Look at the akhlaq of Rasulullah. He knows he's lying. And he comes to your face and he lies. But in the end, he came, he apologized. The Prophet let him go. And by the way, the hypocrites would make fun of the Prophet. They would say, huwa udhun, according to one verse in the Quran. Whatever you tell him, he, 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 like this man doesn't have a mind. Someone tells him that I said this, you know, he believes it. Then I go and I deny it, he believes me. The Quran says, Qul huwa udhunu khayran lakum. He's being merciful with you. The Prophet knows you're a liar, but he's so polite, he's not going to stand in your face and say, you liar. That's not his akhlaq, but he knows you're lying. So he came, Abdullah bin Ubay, and he outright lied in the face of Rasulullah He denied the allegations. But the, the matter did not end there. Because he really did create fitna between the Muhajirin and the Ansar. So the Prophet wanted to end this fitna. What does he do? The Prophet told them, let's leave right now. Let's go back to Medina. Because remember the expedition was over. The Prophet says, let's go right now. And the Prophet had them travel for more than 24 hours nonstop. To the point. When they got to their next resting stop, everyone was so exhausted, no one had the appetite to discuss the fitna. Everybody went and slept, the next day people forgot about it. The Prophet quelled it in a very beautiful and intelligent way. By the way, Usaid, one of the companions of the Prophet, he comes to the Prophet and he tells him, why are you leaving now? Like it doesn't make sense. We just finished this battle, you know, let's rest here. And then Usaid tells the Prophet, and didn't you hear what Abdullah bin Ubay just said? Like, take action. The Prophet, the Prophet told him, Afwan. When, when Usaid told him, why are you leaving? The Prophet told him, didn't you hear what Abdullah bin Ubay, what did he say? I need to leave and quell this. Usaid then tells the Prophet, he tells him, Ya Rasulullah, let me tell you something about Abdullah bin Ubay. Before you came to Medina, all the spotlight was on him. He was the leader of Medina. And they had chosen him to be their chief, their king. Since the day you came, no one cares about him anymore. And that's why he has that hatred. And that's what's pushing him to be a hypocrite. He's jealous. He's envious of your position. So I just want you to know this about him. The Prophet says, let's leave and I want to end this controversy. So they go to the next resting spot and you know the dissension subsides. Now after this incident, Abdullah ibn Ubay had a son. His son does something mind-boggling. His son was a good mu'min. He wasn't a hypocrite like his father, subhanAllah. Your dad could be the biggest of hypocrites and uh, you know, his son can be one of the believers. He comes to the Prophet. He tells him, Ya Rasulullah, I understand that you're going to execute my dad for what he did. 
Because what Abdullah ibn Ubay did was big. He almost sparked a massive war between the Muhajirin and the Ansar. That's fitna of the greatest size. And the Quran says, وَالْفِتْنَةُ أَكْبَرُ or أَشَدُّ مِنَ الْقَتْلِ Fitna is worse than killing because many people die in a fitna. So his son thought that the Prophet is going to execute his dad because he deserved execution by the standards of the time. Committed treason. So he, tell, he comes to the Prophet. He tells him, Ya Rasulullah, I know you're going to execute my dad, but I have a request. Look at his iman. If you're going to execute him, allow me to execute him, not anyone else. Because if someone else kills my father, I will develop this hatred and this tribally grudge against him. Because Arab mentality was if someone kills your dad, you ought to kill him. That's it, revenge. So I can't stand to see someone killing my dad and I don't do anything about it. My tribalism pushes me to take revenge if that were to happen. But I know that's wrong. And I know my dad deserves to be killed. So my request is, let me be the one to kill him. That way I don't seek revenge from anyone. And I don't violate the law of God. Look at his iman. Who can do that? Seriously. It's hard. Your own father. And by the way, his son was known to be good to his father, even though his father is the leader of the hypocrites, Abdullah bin Ubay. But his son was very bar. He would help him. He had the best akhlaq with his father. So he comes to the Prophet, he tells him, I make this request. SubhanAllah. Look, look at some of these companions and the iman that they had. He says, I don't want to end up killing someone unjustly. The only way for me to avoid that is let me kill my father myself. And I acknowledge he deserves to be executed. SubhanAllah. One lesson we can draw from this is that a believer always plans in advance. Let me give you an example. You, you've seen how sometimes when some people they try to, you probably have seen this on a movie or a film, when they want to go and get drunk and they know that they might get in the car and end up driving while drunk, in order to avoid that what do they do? They take someone with them or before they drink, they give the keys to someone sane. Why do they do that? Because they know when, when they're drunk, that's it. They might make mistakes. See, you plan ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm not condoning this in any way. I'm just giving you an example that sometimes when humans want to do something crazy, at least they do some planning before it. Now, a believer always plans ahead of time. You don't put yourself in a situation where you know you will lose your faith or commit haram. Don't do that. It's not worth it. Or sometimes some people, you know, one of the struggles of the youth or the shabab is that they look at inappropriate content. Don't put yourself in a situation where it will lead to that. Avoid any triggers. Do some planning. So he said to the Prophet, let me kill him. What did the Prophet say to him? Look at the kind and generous heart of Rasulullah. The Prophet told him, I have no intention of killing him. In fact, I will be lenient towards him. The Prophet forgave him. He deserved to be executed, but the Prophet forgave him. These remarks got circulated amongst the Muslims. And everyone saw how merciful Rasulullah is. Someone just got up and he invited all the people of Medina to kick out Rasulullah. And all the Muslims, 
يقولون لئن رجعنا إلى المدينة ليخرجن العز منها الأذل This is a big statement And he mobilized them and almost, almost a war broke out The Prophet says, it's okay, I'll forgive him I'll forgive him doesn't mean Allah forgives him by the way That means I will not punish him But Abdullah ibn Ubay was a hypocrite And of course Allah doesn't forgive, forgive the hypocrites Abdullah ibn Ubay any status that he had up until this day, he lost it now. He was humiliated in the Medina society. No one had respect for him anymore. Even his own people left him. Look at you made a fool out of yourself. And then the Prophet comes to Umar and he tells him, you wanted me to kill him, see? Look at my plan. Look how I, how I handle things. Now people don't even respect him anymore. Without killing him, I diffused the situation. Any questions about this part? About how the Prophet handled this? The Prophet is really the Prophet of mercy. People need to know about these incidents. 